Welcome to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast, brought to you by DSW Ministries. Your host is singer, songwriter, speaker, and domestic violence advocate, Diana Winkler. She is passionate about helping survivors in the church heal from domestic violence and abuse and trauma. This podcast is not a substitute for professional counseling or qualified medical help. Now, here is Diana. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome back. I'm glad that you're here today. Did you know that you are loved and valued by the Lord? I hope that you know that today. And I'm going to be talking more about my story today. I was going to talk about my Peruvian fiance last time, but we ran out of time. And so I'm going to be talking more about my, my college years. What was it like in this fundamental Baptist college that I went to and meeting meeting my fiance at the time and serving at the church. We'll see what else we have time to go into. But first, I'd definitely like to do some shout outs today. I am so excited. I, I got notification that I have a whole bunch of followers. I apparently have this update that went on my phone and WordPress had a big, huge update. And so now all of a sudden I'm getting notifications of new followers on the podcast. And I'm still trying to figure out how to do the, the metrics and the stats with YouTube and my podcast host, who is awesome, by the way. I need to give a shout out to Blueberry, who is my podcasting host. Um they have been just awesome getting me started this year in the podcast. Um, I had started with a different host and I had some technical problems. I just could not get up and running. I am not tech savvy, but I switched to Blueberry. Uh, they will talk to you on the phone. They will email. They will help you get up and running. They have all kinds of tools that um, help you to put on a great podcast. I have very few affiliates, and Blueberry is one of them. I'm very careful who I'm going to choose as affiliate programs for my podcast. It has to go with my branding. But Blueberry has definitely earned my trust and my loyalty. Uh, I was a guest on Blueberry's podcast, and you can see that on my website. You can listen to that recording. We go over my, my music background and a little bit about my ministry. It is short and sweet. And so I will leave the link in the show notes for you. But if you are wanting to start a podcast yourself, maybe, I recommend trying out Blueberry. And I do have a discount code 
in the show notes for you so you can um, get started, have a free trial. And that's spelled B-L-U-B-R-R-Y. It's blueberry without the E's. And apparently there's a story behind that, but I'm not going to tell it. <laughs> anyway, back to the followers. And I wanted to mention those of you that have been following me. Some of them are from a year ago and some of them were eight hours ago. So I'm going to start at the top. Jordan Peters. Thank you so much for following. That was eight hours ago as, as of this recording. Hannah Shoy. That was 22 days ago. Urban Survival Shop. One month. Dale A. Daniel. Two months. Your Last Day on Earth. Two months. You have a a preppers group that I'm a part of, and that's probably where those are from. When to All, two months. Neo M Visions, two months. Brian Vivo Mentor, two months. Tips for Diet 2020, three months. We definitely need diet tips. DJS Fit, three months. Master Magic University, three months. Well, that sounds interesting. Nutritional Consultants, three months. Jack Jones, three months. Art of Blogging, four months. And I'm friends with a lot of bloggers. Pick Me Up Poetry, five months. Inner Peace, seven months. Boy, we need some inner peace, don't we? And then here's one from a year ago, Epic830819. I'm sorry I didn't see you a year ago. I'm thankful that you are, that you're here. And I got 100 likes this week. So I'm really feeling the love. I appreciate it. I'm welcoming you to the podcast. And thank you so much for listening. There's just one thing that really perplexes me that I've, it's going to be a year in November that I've had the podcast and I only have four reviews on Apple Podcasts. That's not a make or break thing for me. I don't do this for the numbers, but I just think it's kind of embarrassing for me that I've been doing it for almost a year and I only have four people leaving reviews on on there for me so if you could please if you're listening um put a review on there for me doesn't have to be very long i always value your feedback i want to know if you know the topics that i have on the podcast are what you want to listen to i want to know if you have a a guest that you think would be great on my show if you know somebody that would be great on the show, maybe you want to tell your story on the show, you know, reach out to me. Lots of different ways. Social media, my email. Inquiring minds want to know. I want to make this an even better podcast next year. I am lining up the guests. I don't know how I'm going to 
beat last year's guess, but I am sure going to try. So, um, so that's it for the housekeeping for today. I spoke about last week about how my college years were not as turbulent as maybe Will Hess's were. Will Hess from the church split, who was a guest on the show. He had it much worse than I did. And many others that I'm friends with, other podcasters in my same genre, have gone through some horrible, horrible things in college. I had really great teachers. I had a relatively balanced church compared to the other fundamental Baptist churches that um, I went to. Although there were definitely some things that really should not have happened. Some things that weren't right that I'm going to mention. This was when I was starting to get involved with the Spanish church, speak Spanish, learned it in grade school, been around it. And so I started hanging out with uh, my friend Miguel. He went to school with me. We were in classes together. So I would come and hang out in the Spanish church. And that's when I met who I will call John in the Spanish church. He was uh, Miguel's best friend and he was from Peru. And so meeting John, we started hanging out more and there were some more people from Peru and lots of other different South American countries like Cuba, um, Ecuador, lots of different accents. That was pretty interesting that I learned Mexican Spanish and the dialect is a little different when you talk to somebody from Colombia. So I got to meet a lot of different people. I got to practice my Spanish and John did not speak very good English. That really motivated me to go and study my Spanish harder so I could communicate with him. And Peruvians are very dark. So I wasn't used to. Very dark skinned with black curly hair, almost almost looked like he was African-American, uh, very skinny, had this pearly white smile, very big smile. He was very popular with the girls, very outgoing, charismatic, and funny. And he was a Peruvian soccer star. And after talking with him in the hallways and after church and hanging out with, with Miguel and John would help Miguel on his bus route. So I started helping a little bit on Miguel's bus route. Eventually we noticed there was definitely an attraction. You did not sit with somebody of the opposite sex in church unless you were dating, as everybody would know. And so after church one day, we were sitting in the front on the front pews and he asked me if I would be his girlfriend, if I would want to date him. 
And I said, sure. <laughs> Why not? Now, a date for us Baptists meant we double dated or we did church stuff. We go out to dinner. You know, we didn't go to movies. You weren't allowed to go to movies. We go out to dinner. We do singles activities, whatever. So, of course, I would be working on the bus route together. Now, after the bus route, we would go to um, Miguel's house, and John would be with us, and John was a good cook. He came from a family of, I think, seven or eight siblings. They were still in Peru, and Peruvian cuisine is very good. It's like arroz con pollo. It's chicken and rice. It's vegetables. It's platanas. It's like a potato. It's like kind of a cross between a banana and a potato. You probably had platanas before. And so he would make us lunch after church and after the bus route. And it was good. It was good food. And then we would have a nap if we had time. And we felt safe in having a nap because there was at least three of us and there wasn't any, anything going on. And we were at Miguel's mom's house, so she, I think she was in the back room. So according to dating standards, we were safe in laying on the floor or on the couch or in a chair and dozing off. And then we drove off to choir practice to the evening service, and we would pick up some of our most dedicated bus kids the ones that were a little bit older that wanted to come to the evening service. So I would go to choir practice and then we would go to the evening service. And after, afterwards, of course, I would go home, study, and get ready for the week coming up, do my homework. Now I depended on John for rides, so I didn't have to take the city bus. His car was really old, and it looked like it had went through a fire. I'm not kidding, there was no paint on it, and it barely worked. It barely worked to get him to his construction job. He would come over to the house where I was staying, taking care of the elderly lady with Alzheimer's. The Peruvian culture expected that their women were their trophies. John expected me to be dressed to the nines whenever I saw him. That means a dress, heels, pantyhose, full makeup on, my hair curled, my nails painted, and contact lenses in. I wore bottle cap glasses and contact lenses were really hard for me to wear because I have dry eye syndrome and I could only wear them for a few hours so I did not like to wear those contact lenses because my eyes felt like there was Tabasco in them after a short time 
But, you know, I'm in jeans and a t-shirt, girl. You know, I wear ponytails. I don't mind dressing up sometimes, but I like to be comfortable. I don't really prefer to wear a lot of makeup because then you got to take it all off at the end of the night. I mean, what, what I have on now is pretty much color on my face and some eyeliner. That's pretty much what I prefer to wear, but not him. So he would come over to see me at the house and we would, you know, play board games or we would watch a little bit of television and we were in a room full of people. Um, the lady I took care of and then her daughter that lived with us and their cat and I think um, their other sister lived not too far from us. Anyway, he would come in to see me and I wasn't fixed up the way he preferred. Then he would call me Bea, which means ugly in Spanish. Oh, yay, that's what I want to be called. I don't know why I put up with that crap. I really don't. He expected me to wait on him all the time. We went to my dad's for Christmas one year and we also visited my mom. And my mom noticed him signaling to me to get up and refill his plate of food or his drink by banging on the glass. My mom told me that he is perfectly capable of getting up and doing it himself. Well, we were engaged shortly after that. I just thought that that's how it was supposed to be. You know, the, the church environment that we were in enabled this kind of treatment of women that we were supposed to be waiting on the men hand and foot. And I just took it as, okay, we have to have a servant's heart. Well, I don't think that's it. We were supposed to serve one another. And it's not supposed to be one-sided where one person is the other slave. But he proposed one day in the, in the park, he had a ring for me and I wanted to be a missionary and he said he wanted to go back and be a missionary to the Peruvian country that he was from. And so I thought, okay, it was a good match. And I would continue to go to the, to the college and finish school and then we would go to Peru. So we were engaged for probably six months and we're planning the wedding. And at this point, the only thing we've done is hold hands. We've never kissed before. You weren't allowed to be alone together. But that was going to change. <laughs> and yeah, this is, this is where I get real and personal. And I'm honest about my mistakes and stupid things that I've done. So we were sitting at the house where I stayed and we were playing cards, I think. Don't ask me. Well, the lady I took care of went to bed and then her daughter went to bed. She 
she was upstairs. She had a finished attic that she slept in. And there were baby monitors all over the place because somebody with Alzheimer's, they're always disappearing or haunting the halls or they don't sleep. And the monitors were to make sure that we knew where she was at all times. So there wasn't a whole lot of privacy as far as sound goes. <laughs> but we were sitting on the couch and me and John, all of a sudden, he reached over to kiss me out of nowhere. Playing cards, and then we're kissing. And then we're making out on the couch. And, you know, the whole floodgates, and this is where the problem is, is when you're, is when you're dating and you're told you're not allowed to have any physical contact at all. And then you're put into a situation where the devil can pounce on you. Yeah, that's what happened. And we thought we were safe because there were people in the house. So it didn't really bother us. There weren't any little flags like, oh, maybe he should go. So here we are making out on the couch and guess where we ended up? Yeah, that's where we ended up. But I had plenty of opportunities to stop to stop it from happening. Here's here's some of the bonehead things that being the boneheaded, hormone-fueled, 20-year-old girl that I was, I didn't stop it. And just, yes, it was consensual, but he definitely expected me to finish what we started. And it's pretty hard to start once you get going, isn't it? You've been in that situation. It is... Um, it's like running down a hill. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's not impossible to stop because I've done it. Not in this instance, but I told him when he wanted to go in the bedroom, I said, you know, I don't have any birth control. I don't have anything. Do you? Do you have any condoms on you? Because I didn't even know at this point. So we haven't even talked about it if he was a virgin or not, if he carried condoms. I mean, Christians don't carry condoms, do they? Okay, so here's, here's what happened. He went out to the store to get condoms. He got into the car, which was noisy, started the engine and went down to the convenience store and got the condoms and then came back. I'm sure the whole neighborhood probably heard that stupid car. And I had an opportunity to say, you know what? I changed my mind. I'm not going to do this. But yeah, he still was like, well, I went all the way to the store to get these. Um, come on, let's, let's go into the other room. My room was right next to the woman that I was taking care of. And, um, I said, well, maybe, maybe we shouldn't because there's all these people in the house. And he said, well, if you didn't want to, you shouldn't have kissed me back. You didn't want me to go any further. So I only mention these embarrassing stories because I know that there are some of you listening that have made similar mistakes. <laughs> and you're beating yourself up. You have all this shame and you feel like God is mad at you. 
you know, we're all sinners. We all have a flesh body. We have wants and desires that sometimes take over. We are going to mess up, okay? But the Lord is still there with his mercy. Don't think, don't ever think that because you made a mistake that it's all over for you. It's not, okay? So he left before sunup in his noisy car. Once again, I think it was five o'clock in the morning. And I came into breakfast and there was, there was the two of them having breakfast and I sat down and I was crying because I practiced um, secondary virginity. When I got baptized, I decided to make the choice to not have sex until I was married. And I felt that, you know, I made a mistake. I think it disappointed the Lord that I went back on my promise. And so I was, I was crying a little bit and they could tell when I came to breakfast and one of them asked me, you know, why are you sad? I'm so sorry. Did something happen? And I said, oh, it's, it's okay. I'll be all right. Um, don't really want to talk about it. And then the daughter's like, she knew, she knew what was going on. She could probably hear us. She definitely heard the car and she kind of insinuated that well, I heard John's car leaving last night and I thought I heard him come back again this morning and um, I didn't say anything <laughs> and nobody else said anything either. I didn't elaborate or offer any details, but um, John had to pick me up for church because he usually did. He picked me up for church and I was in my regalia. And he had seen that I looked kind of down and he said, what's the matter with you? I told him I regretted that we had slept together. And he just kind of like made fun of me. And he's like, well, you wanted it too. And you act like you just lost your virginity. I know you weren't a virgin. And I'm like, um, I just sat there and looked out the window and I thought, okay, I'm not going to get any sympathy from him. He didn't take my feelings very seriously. But I think that kind of put a little bit of a thorn in our relationship because here we are, we're serving the Lord in the church and I'm going to school. I'm supposed to hold to a certain kind of conduct. Here I was doing stuff behind everybody's backs. I think it was a couple more months, but we kept on doing the the planning for the wedding. The thing was that John was a huge flirt. He's a good looking kid. And he was flirting with all the other girls in the Spanish church right in front of me. Like when we would go on the activities with the kids, you know, we would take vans and put all the kids in the vans he would ride in the other van separate from me and here i am i'm looking out the window looking at the the van behind us and he's 
in the van having a good time. And I thought, there's something wrong here. You know, we're engaged. He's supposed to be in the van here with me, right? And I kept telling him I, I didn't want to have sex anymore. This isn't right. He didn't really seem to agree with me. Of course, because, you know, it's fun, right? And he's a 20-year-old guy. And I decided to be really brave. And I went to one of my trusted Bible teachers. Wonderful, wonderful man. And I decided to ask him what I should do. Should I break up this engagement? Because me and John also had this discussion about wanting to go back to Peru and seeing his family. They were supposed to... We were supposed to go to Peru. I don't remember. I don't remember if we were supposed to go to Peru after the wedding to meet his family or if they were coming to meet us. But apparently he changed his mind about wanting to be a missionary to his home country. What he was doing at the Spanish church at the time was he was doing the congregational singing you know, the whole arm-waving thing. That's all he was doing. But John was not a good singer. <laughs> He's not a singer. He can't really hold a pitch that well. But the job needed to be done. They needed an arm-waver. And so he was doing the arm-waving. And he wanted to stay here and work in the Spanish church. So then I was really, really deciding whether I wanted to continue with this engagement. And of course, the whole being treated like somebody's party favor everywhere we went was, wasn't what I preferred. You know, it was going on all around me. I didn't really enjoy that. So I went to my Bible teacher and made an appointment and told him what was going on. And do you think I should break the engagement? And he said, let me, let me ask you this one question. Has he pressured you to have sex? I said, well, it was consensual, but I don't really want to do that anymore because I know that it's, it's wrong. He said, but he wants to keep going, doesn't he? And I said, yes. He said, well, just think of what's going to happen when you're married. Is he going to stay faithful to you when you're married? Is he going to have self-control when he's married? Is he going to cheat on you when he's married? Is he going to watch porn when he's married? If he's not wanting to follow the Lord's direction with sexual purity now, it's not going to get any better once you get married. And I was, you know, I knew that's probably what he was going to say, that we should break the engagement, but it was the whole finality of it. All my plans came crumpling down, and now I would be single again. So um, I met with him, and I gave him the ring back and told him that we had to break up, that since you don't want to be 
a missionary anymore. That's what I feel that the Lord's calling me to do right now. I think we should break up and and we were at the house at the time when we had this conversation. And he had the gall to say something to the effect like, do you want one more romp in the hay? I'm like, no. No, I don't want another romp in the hay. It's over. It's done. It's it's done. Okay. We're we're through. We're not dating anymore. And so I gave him the ring back and he also wanted his family photographs back, which I had. So that was that was it. And I still continued to serve in the Spanish church when I was able. I sang specials in the Spanish church and I still had a lot of friends there. Still friends with Miguel. Me and Miguel still definitely stayed friends. Um, he did not want to know what was going on or what had transpired. He's like, man, I don't want to know. I understood that. That was his best friend. He didn't want to take sides. That was his friend too. But I definitely started doing more stuff in the other ministries in the church, more junior church and more teaching Sunday school. Um, so I would keep busy. And so the other issues that I wanted to point out with this church was there was, there was definitely a hint of racism going on because when I got my ring, my engagement ring, I went around and showed everybody my ring and that's what you do. And I showed the ring to the pastor and his wife. You know how you, you leave and you shake hands after the service. And so I showed my ring and said that me and John were engaged. And the pastor just looked at me like really shocked. He said, thanks for telling me. And I looked over at the pastor's wife, who was a lovely lady. And, and she was you know, like saving face and she shook my hand and she said, congratulations, dear. And I got out of there as soon as I could because I'm like, what just happened? I had met up with a couple of other couples that had gotten Kate engaged. And one of the couples was from Spanish church. And one of them was Spanish and the other one was I guess, white like me, and they were engaged. And another couple was also engaged. One was the gal was white and the other, and the guy was Spanish. And I asked them, well, why is it okay that you guys are getting married and you're mixed races? But when I showed the pastor my ring, he did not seem very happy that we were getting engaged. And the pastor is from Bob Jones. He's a doctorate in, he's got a doctorate from Bob Jones. And Bob Jones is famous for losing their 501c3 status because they did not allow interracial dating 
on their campus, among other things that they didn't allow. The reason why you are more targeted than we were is because, yes, I'm Spanish, but I'm Americanized. I grew up here. John grew up in Peru and he is from another culture. I guess that's true, yes. But I, I didn't see a whole lot of difference in the way that they treated their women, either American, Americanized Spanish communities or the ones from Peru or Mexico or South America. I didn't really see that much of a, a difference, but I definitely have thoughts of that. I'm definitely against restricting those sort of things. The Bible talks about that you should marry a Christian, someone that loves the Lord. The Bible doesn't talk about what color skin the person is that you're marrying. In fact, one of the descendants of Jesus was Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite. She was from another, another country. She was not a Israelite, and she came to came to Mary Boaz, she said that your God will be my God. She trusted in the Lord, her mother-in-law's God. She trusted in her new husband's God, became her God. So if she hadn't, that may have been a different story, but she was definitely from a different culture. God definitely talks about not marrying into the heathen nations. Oh, you should not marry an unbeliever. We've talked about that. But Moses had had a black wife. She was Ethiopian. So we may talk about that subject a little bit more down the road. Anyway, I, I've definitely believed that the, the church and the school that I went to had some racist tendencies. Anyway, I am halfway through my, my school years. I will be entering my my third year into college. And shortly I will be meeting my soon-to-be ex-husband. This is where it's going to get pretty crazy. If it isn't crazy up to this point, it's going to get crazier. So I'm going to leave the story there. It's a good stopping place and Next time, my story will continue with our dating, with what happened when we were dating, our engagement, and if we have time, perhaps the wedding. Yeah, the wedding is, um, it's like my big fat Greek wedding. It's, it's, it will be crazy. So I hope that you will continue to listen to my story. The, the more that I get into my story, the harder it gets. It's going to get hard here pretty soon. But I think that stories are powerful and that we can learn lessons from, from these times in our lives. But before I let you go, I, would, I do want to leave you with some music. At the time of the recording, I haven't I haven't picked one out yet. I have a few in mind that I want to play for you. I'm recording 
a few songs this week. So at this point, I think I'm just going to surprise you. Or if I decide within the next day or so, then I'll tell you what the name of it is. So please be encouraged. Be encouraged this week that God does love you and you are valued. Even if you've made mistakes, God can still use you. God can still do wonderful things in your life. If you will just let him, no matter what you've been through, he's still there. So again, I remind you that you're no longer a victim, that you are victorious. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast. If this episode has been helpful to you, please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. You can connect with us at dswministries.org, where you'll find our blog along with our Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel links. Hope to see you next week.